As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The myth of Monday night football demolished by Mickey Marsh 69, Gareth Bale and the most offensively dull interview of all time, Steve Bruce just taking his Steve Bruceness too far, the first official I fear for them, I really do, of the season, pedantic kit men, inevitable Premier League scorelines. Specialist coaches that football hasn't realised it needs yet, and every League Two Soccer Saturday roving reporter update ever. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.49 a month. That's 30% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 88 of the Football Clichés podcast. I am Adam Hurry and with me first of all, David Walker. You are no doubt familiar, Dave, with the the greatest genre of footballing photograph of all, which is the angry fans behind opposition, probably away player. The latest edition of which was from, from the Emirates. Um, probably, probably a good fan base to choose for this particular genre. Um, my question to you is, after having taken in the glory of this photo and all the facial expressions and all the hand gestures and everything, if you could put yourself in that mode, in that scenario, what's your default thing? If you were caught in that photo, what are you going to be caught doing? You can be as offensive as you like. You can be as angry as you like, but I want to know what's the first thing that would come into your head in that scenario. I think I think my instinct would be it would just be a sort of not vitriolic, but sort of resigned. Oh fuck off! Right. Oh, give it a rest. All right. You know, not. I'm not. I don't, I'm not angry at him. I'm not spitting bile. I'm yeah. just sort of a bit. I'll 
God, leave it out, mate. You've, come on. So you'd be caught sort of mid-F, wouldn't you, with your hands sort of flailing? Yeah. But not necessarily directly abusive. That's fine. No. That's a good answer, actually. It's a good answer. I think personally I would be more... I'd be more the, the, the sort of silent types, the sort of standing there with their arms crossed going, you... But in their heads, just going, you fuck. But also angry at my own team for having got themselves into that situation. So, mm. so stood there defiant in a way but also resigned to my fate equally resigned to his fate alongside you is nick miller how are you i'm very well thank you how are you um i'm very well actually um i i I thought myself as quite sprightly full of energy for the new season how about you you still still very much up for this yeah yeah i went to my first game proper game in you know since since the badness started well game with fans and you know it was a bit of a sensory overload but I discovered that my enthusiasm for it does kind of transcend early trains and you know poor train station food and so on you know the the, the really tough life of a uh, traveling football journalist <laughs> well it's, it's good to know that your energy levels are still high um the same perhaps cannot be said emotionally for the BBC's Jonathan Pierce. this is um this is a an odd few seconds from the match of the day two highlights of Arsenal versus Chelsea the sunshine days of summer, European Championship football, the Olympics. Oh, but a memory. The rain <laughs> sweeps in, September is coming, the nights are drawing in. It's lovely to be cheery on a Sunday afternoon. You <laughs> look long for Martinelli. <laughs> Just flick straight back into, into the action. But uh, Nick, what's your what's your favourite little bit of that? I think it's the sigh, personally. Yeah, I think it's the um, the, the little the little pause straight after he finishes where you almost think he's going to say, and of course, one day the sun will explode and we'll all die. So what's the <laughs> point of this all anyway? <laughs> Dave, are you surprised that actually made it into the final edit? I like to think that the producers of Match of the Day 2 are on our wavelength and thought, no, we'll keep that in. That's nice. <laughs> Classic Pierce. It's also, yeah, yeah it's, it's such a nondescript passage of play by the looks of things as well. So they, you know, they didn't, they, it didn't look like they needed to leave that in. I'm always, uh, I mean, when you think of Jonathan Pierce, you, you, it feels like you should think of, the, you know, his classic days where he was screaming and the, the Cantona mm. thing. But I always, always, always now go to the Women's World Cup in 2016, 2017, around then, when he went on an, an extended riff about the price of wet wipes in Canada. <laughs> and it was one of the most surreal sort of passages of commentary I've ever heard. <laughs> But, uh, you know, obviously extremely memorable. Well, that's, that's the tipping point for me. We need to get him on as a Harlem Dicks, Dave. Let's do everything we can. Get our contacts books together, yes. uh, including mine, <laughs> and uh, see if we can get him on, because I think I think he'd be solid gold. OK, so a few quick-fire matters for the adjudication panel this week to kick us off. Dave, Monday Night Football returned this week. Um, Sky making an, a, you know, justifiably big deal of Carragher and Neville being back together in the studio. Um, it's a very spectacular social media graphic they put out. Um, I was I was so, my heart was so warmed by basically the first reply that came up on Twitter when I opened this tweet, which is from, and, and this is this is the name of a person who sounds like they have no patience for Monday Night Football whatsoever. It was Mickey Marsh 69. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one I made up, but I honestly haven't. And his reply to Sky Sports was, any chance of covering the actual game tonight, lads, rather than a whole hour of waffling about other teams? <laughs> Perfect. Just completely undermining the whole USP of Monday Night Football there. I really like that. Just love it. And I saw that Carragher replied to him as well. So that's nice. The Carragher has actually seen that after he's been slaving away over the highlights all morning. Nick, it makes me wonder what he says about other programmes. Antiques Roadshow. Can you just skip past all the old stuff and just get to the theme tune at the end? That'd be really great. <laughs> skip past the bollocks about the, you know, the, the uh, heartfelt 
nostalgic stories of how you used to, you know, use this vase as a small child and then get straight to the valuation. But I'll be watching. But as always, I'll be tuning in just before kickoff because I want to watch the first bit. I might stick around for the post-match analysis, though. That's fun, too. Equally mesmerising content this weekend, Nick, in the form of a frankly astonishingly dull Gareth Bale interview with The Guardian to the point where I wonder what the what the point of it was. Let's let's ha- let's just have it in front of us. My first prevailing thought after I'd finished reading it, and I was amazed I got through it, was what is the point of this? It wasn't overtly selling anything. It wasn't sort of, you know, it wasn't a tie-in with anything obvious. Well, well you say that. Uh, mm. I've just read it for the second time. I yeah. think that's exactly what it is. But, but in, in the opening paragraph, well, yeah, but in the opening paragraph, it 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 points out that he is the co-founder of Robots Gyms, yes. as in row row is in row like mm. rowing machine, yeah, rowing, and he mentions that his most treasured, treasured possession is a rowing machine. Yeah, so that's so that's question two. So that's question: What is your most treasured possession? My rowing machine. Okay, so that's it. Commercial. Commercial obligations taken care of. Where can this interview go from here? Nick, how deep does this go? Well, I mean, I was kind of slightly disappointed that the, the was, there wasn't more golf in there. I thought that, you know, if he had a little bit more self-awareness, he'd, he'd really ham up the, the golf. Although he does say he was watching the PDA Tour until late at night, so maybe that's a kind of trolling of Real Madrid, you know, <laughs> saying that even even when he's not playing golf, he's wasting his time, you know, and, and going to bed later than he should have done yeah. just to watch the golf. Not even a hint of I, cheek. But I bet that's like he's staying up to eleven watching PGA Tour <laughs> in, yeah. in a hyperbaric yeah. chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's a hint of perfectionism that goes all the way through, but um, into. When I'm looking for the, ra- the biggest ratio in this interview between promising question and deadpan answer that offers absolutely nothing, I would perhaps go, Dave, with if you could edit your past, what would you change? Nothing. Without my past, I wouldn't be who I am today. In some ways, I, in some ways, true. I, for, for that, I would go with who would you want to play you in a film of your life? Uh, the answer, I wouldn't want anyone else to play me. That's so, it. Does it mean that he wants to play himself in said film? Or doesn't want the film to happen? No, I just, yeah, the latter, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, he doesn't want a film to be made about him. Because uh, he shuns the limelight, does Gareth. Shuns it so harshly that he couldn't be bothered to do this interview by the looks of it. I was um, quite struck by the first question, which is, what is your greatest fear? And the answer to that was not being the best version of myself in football and in life. So he must have had a, been very frightened for the last few years. He's very obviously not been the best version yeah. of himself for quite a while. It's very strong, but it doesn't... Uh, for me, it's not the high point of this particular genre, which was a few years ago, Gerard Delafeu. Hmm. He was asked the age-old question, which three people would you like to have round for dinner? The age-old, you know, <laughs> fancy dinner party question. Yep. And his answer was the actor Jason Statham and Ronaldinho. Just those two. <laughs> We're guaranteed to now have people replying with, have you seen the uh, one-on-one interview with Damien Delaney in the Crystal Palace match programme? Um, where he, I th- if, if memory serves, he lists a, a series of historical dictators that he'd like to have dinner with, um, which was, you know, unexpected. and But a refreshing change of gear for that sort of thing. But yeah, just, yeah, fundamentally a really odd thing to read. Presumably Wayne Hennessy read that interview and was completely perplexed <laughs> by his answers. Oh, God. Um, did we not learn from Stefan Posner? Stop this, um, this lurid inference of things. I think anyway. the, um, just on, what, the last one on this, on this interview with Gareth Bale, though, I think the, the nadir of it, really, is what is your favourite word 
<laughs> a very open-ended question. That interrupts the question, but still. Yeah. He says, I prefer a phrase. It's time, dot, 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 to hashtag switch on. Oh. It's amazing how only a few words can say so much. Whenever mm. I hear that phrase, I know it's time to put on my game face. It's pathetic. It's rubbish. Where is he hearing it and seeing it? Why is it typed to the hashtag, though? <laughs> <laughs> is this some kind of marketing hashtag for his robot or whatever maybe. it is? Oh, maybe we've overlooked this, yeah. Mm. That, that would make it's so sense. subtle. Having a hashtag in a printed article doesn't work, <laughs> but that's, that's not the point. <sighs> we'll never know if he said the hashtag out loud. We'll never, never know, but I assume he did. I want to I stay on the theme of uh, mundane football talkers, Dave. I've had it. I have had it with Steve Bruce. I know he's a nice guy. I know he's a vuncular and all that sort of stuff, but I have had it with the way that he talks about football in this kind of vague, accepted wisdom kind of way and just and is just allowed to do it. Here's a, here's a very pertinent example of this. Uh, you know, that's... The VAR comes into the equation, you know, we're supposed to be, to get back into the game, you know, you're not supposed to be offside by a, a toenail or whatever it's supposed to be. We didn't see any of that in the Euros and that's what we're supposed to be copying. If the lines aren't by the side of each other I don't know what is if there's so I feel a bit aggrieved because we're talking about VAR again which is uh, which is disappointing Is it because there isn't maybe the consistency that you yes, feel correct. there should be? Well last week we didn't see any lines drawn you know that wasn't supposed to be it was supposed to be bearing on the mind of the, the forward player that that was it then all of a sudden we're drawn lines with armpits again so I believe Dave he, he just can't be asked. He can't be asked, can he? He can't be asked to, to work out or, or find out how VAR works and how it's supposed to work this season. And it's his job to know and he can't be asked. That's basically the summary of this, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Hmm. I, I just love... We're, we're drawing up... We're drawing lines with armpits. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you can just say those words now and you know that a, a small section of people go, yeah, absolutely right, Brucey, absolutely Toe right. Toenails. Toes, fine. Toenails, no. Doesn't but work. He's, he's just he's just done that thing where he has he's turned something that people kind of say in or you know, say down the pub, and he's then turned that into official like FA policy in his head. Like is it we're not supposed to be doing the armpits thing anymore and it, where's where's he got that from? It's yeah. As you say, lazy. Yeah, I find it quite infuriating. I think my theory now is, Dave, that Managers get past a certain age. I'm not saying this is necessarily an age thing. It maybe it's more an experience thing. You get past a certain point in a managerial career where you you basically don't really have to say anything of note. Yeah, the interviews don't become particularly important. You're not building a reputation anymore. So basically, you're stuck in the same mode that I can only describe as Friday afternoon Sky Sports news round the managers questions, where you can just talk about things in a kind of high level kind of way. You know, well, social media. I mean, obviously, I I, I steer clear of it, and I and I hope the players will steer clear of social media because we we know there's upsides and we, we know there's, there's there's downsides as well and you're just talking about things like that basically with no detail no specifics just just general flaff is a word with an a yeah flaff d- d- was it not him that complimented social media for finding his dog or something oh well, yeah okay yeah, yeah i will give him that yes yes i will give him that that was a light-hearted moment that was nice but yeah fundamentally sick of steve bruce actually for the well, first the, time in my life there is a part of me that sympathizes with him because i in a way, I bet even Steve Bruce is probably a bit sick of Steve Bruce. <laughs> like, he has just been doing the same thing for such a long time. Yeah. And it's, it's basically, even though he's at the biggest club that he'll ever been in charge of at Newcastle, they are basically in the same situation that 
basically all the other clubs he's ever managed are not just not be you know, sort of lingering about the Premier League, not being that good, having the occasional moment, but there's just a weariness about it all. And yes. I think that's he's just stuck in that loop forever. Maybe I'm coming around for a bit of sympathy here, Nick, because you know, if after 20 years of being asked, a little bit hard done by today, Steve. Um, <laughs> you're going to run out of you're going to run out of the spirit to answer that question, aren't you? Yeah, there's there's quite a um, when will I be free to resume my literary career vibe about <laughs> you know about him. He's just you know tired of the whole grind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Steve, Bruce, up your game, or you'll be on this podcast again very soon. Next up, first of all, the first point I want to make about this following clip, Dave, is that the background music is so in-house club social media. So I'll let that dwell on for a second. Um, this is from listener Dark Side Driver, who pointed me in the direction of Wolves' opening day of the season content, uh, part of which was a little interview with their groundsman about how he prepares the pitch. And I want you both to listen to this clip because there's going to be a point where the inevitable happens and he slips into one of the most enduring football speak habit. It's so important this day and age, the type of football teams play, that it's imperative that we do have a good pitch and obviously you want that good pitch all season, all season really obviously. You need to try and get through the winter months, the Januarys and Februarys where fixtures pile up and obviously the weather is against you a little bit but the Premier League pitches are second to none really. <laughs> Dave, where do you stand on the pluralising of the Januaries and Februaries? Yeah, uh, he, he he could only have topped it by saying the Januaries and Februaries of this world, <laughs> or your Januaries and your your Januaries, your, your Januaries. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe this. I mean, yeah, we have to factor in Nick that groundsmen probably talk about this a lot. So you know, the Januaries and Februaries probably quite crucial to their profession. So maybe maybe I shouldn't. I'm not sneering, of course. I'm just observing. But still, no. I mean, as as he said, in this day and age, everyone needs a, a good pitch. But it has ruined the absolutely classic like opening day of the season. I don't know whether you could even call it banter, but just kind of standard remark of doesn't the pitch look good? The pitch looks it's green. There's no big kind of mud through the middle. It's you know, the symbol of fresh hope. A new season is is here. This might be our year. But now pitches like look like that all season, so it's no you can't really remark upon it anymore. So you're doing too too good a job, groundsman around the country. To the point where it's probably the more remarkable thing now, as you say, is that it's oh. Hmm, is the pitch a bit bobbly today? <laughs> kind of ball's moving a bit slow, isn't it? Yeah. The grass is a bit, a couple of millimetres too long. That, I think that's the only time I want to hear from, from groundspeople is when the pitch is rubbish. And I want to hear them explain it. Other than that, <laughs> we know now you've done a very, very good job with your deso surface, artificial woven fibres. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. First instance, first official instance in 2021-22, Nick, of 
a, a phrase very dear to my heart. Here's Graham Souness before just ahead of uh, Southampton versus Manchester United on Sunday afternoon. They could find themselves in trouble this year. You've sold Ings, top goal, goal scorer last year with 12 goals. You had the second worst defensive record in the Premier League last year. Only West Brom were worse. And that's a bad combination. And you've lost Vestergaard and Bertrand as well. It's a bad combination. I mean, I fear for them. I really do. Great delivery of it, isn't it? Everything about it is perfect. You can't just say, I fear for them. You have to say, I fear for them. I really I do. I really do. You know, this yeah. is the, this, my, my concern is genuine. I really, really do. I really do. He needn't have worried. Mm. They were fine. <laughs> should have won. They'll be fine. Are they now or they'll be fine? I think they are. I think after that performance, when they should really have won the game, I think you can... I had Southampton as one of the teams that I thought might might be worse than Watford. Right. Now, not anymore. They've rocketed up my yeah. my estimations table. Southampton are a, a rare beast. They may well complete the you fear for them and they'll be fine double within the space of 48 hours, which is frankly sensational. But such is the knee-jerk existence of the Premier League that one result may turn you into a they'll be fine. But yeah, in summary, textbook delivery from Sunus and I was really happy with it. Next up, evidence perhaps, Nick, that the Football Clichés adjudication panel is bleeding into wider culture. West Brom's apparently quite outspoken kit man, Pat Frost, which is a great name, isn't it? If I could interrupt here and say I'm not happy with the, the phrase outspoken kit. <laughs> you shouldn't be one, should you? But no, he's the only Premier League kit man who has a, um, a, a large Twitter following from what I can see. He's also the England kit man, I should add, so that adds him some kudos. Um, That's weird, isn't it? Like, how? You, why? What? How did he get that job? <laughs> I know a guy who folds it really well. <laughs> so so perfect every time. He's local near St George's Park. Yeah, Hodgson clearly got him in the West Brom connections, didn't he? <laughs> do you think he'll ever? I don't know. Do you think he'll go England only, or does he miss the day to day buzz of club <laughs> kit? He he provides the day to day buzz. Of course, then, Just didn't he is the day to day buzz. Yeah, and then sort of later on, he'll have to retire from international kit manning to extend his domestic. Because <laughs> uh, the hands get tired. Don't know the iron. No, no. Anyway, he wasn't busy enough, despite all those duties, Nick, on um, on Saturday, because he he had his eye on the BBC live text reporting from the championship, and it went as follows: What a start for West Brom! Alex Mowat gets the visitors off the mark within a minute, and it's a nightmare start for Blackburn. Mowat gets on the end of a frantic scramble of shots in the box to poke home. And the league leaders are flying. Kitman Pat was not happy with poke home. This is what he tweeted. Poke home, four laughing emojis. The lad scores a contender for goal of the season. And it's described as a poke home. Surely, surely you've got more things on your mind on a Saturday afternoon. Packing the kit away into those massive trunks. Actually, I, I'm I've, I'm back on his side now because he's absolutely right. That was no way that goal was a poke home. It's, it, I think it sort of will reignite the classic volley, half volley quest, uh, question. But it was an absolute screamer from the from the edge of the area. So no pokes involved. No pokes involved, indeed. But, I mean, um, accurate pedantry aside, Dave, this is a great moment for this podcast, isn't it? It's a great moment. I feel yeah. like this wouldn't have happened without us. Can we get Kit Mad Pat on? <laughs> yeah, I reckon we could. <laughs> I reckon we could. Um, yeah, he's, he's um, often a source of insight. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, hopefully we can get Kit Man Pat on. We'd have to ask him about Kit, though, in the same way that when we get commentators on, the, the impulse is to ask them about, well, what's it like on the... What about your commentary notes? But no, we can't do that. So we'll have to ask him. We'll get him on, but I'll ask him a single question about Kit. Have you ever forgotten the Kit? <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd have to talk about Chelsea at commentary. Yeah, we would. Yeah, any horror stories? Oh, God. On the, on the subject of Kits, did we see Arsenal were at it again? Bernd Leno was wearing the away kit in goal. What is that about? 
There's no reason for it, but they don't, and it's not a clash thing. They just they are allowed to do it, so they've done it. I was um, I was surprised to or disappointed to discover that no one told Roy Keane about it. Mm. The stick he would beat them with. I mean, he doesn't need any. I mean, can you, you imagine like Peter Schmeichel in an United mm. away kit? Imagine how ludicrous that would look. <laughs> well, this this feeds back into the the the, the pitches thing because in t- presumably in days of yore, that's why your goalkeeper kits had those massive pads on the shoulders. But now these you know beautiful soft pitches are just fine to fling yourself around on and you know graze your elbows or whatever I think we're getting too technical here I, I fundamentally think that it's just too bob of the Premier League to, to allow it to happen you should wear a goalkeeper shirt yeah yeah totally what is this yeah, what, what's going on here the brand think of the brand not happy with that moving on onto what I can only describe Nick I mean you were at this game as um, the Hansard of football chants um, there is a point at which reporting on what the fans are singing... I mean, given the current context, I, I, I'm happy to allow this. I would allow it anyway, but I'm very interested in it. There's a point at which reporting what the fans are saying <laughs> gets a little bit too much. Uh, this is from this is from Football London's Alistair Gold, who tra- transcribed the entire exchange between the Wolves and Tottenham fans at Molyneux. I'll read it out in full. But there's a point at which um, it starts to kind of lose its appeal. I don't know why. Anyway, here goes. The Wolves fans sing Harry Kane, he wants to fuck off. Spurs supporters reply that he's one of their own. Once he's on, Wolves fans chant, there's only one greedy bastard and he'll be a mank in the morning. The Spurs fans retort, Harry Kane, he's worth more than Wolves. Retort doing a good job there, I think. I mentioned it in my article, but I stopped at Harry Kane, he wants to fuck off. It was, it was, it was an interesting dynamic there yesterday because it felt like, obviously Harry Kane was on the bench, and it felt like there was absolutely nothing that I could tell from Spurs fans until he sort of emerged to be brought on. So it was like they were just so sick of the, the whole the whole thing and just wanted to ignore it and then when he emerged it was like there was a collective sigh and like, like alright well go. we can do one or two things here <laughs> yeah um, let's just let's just be positive we're winning it's fine it's a tricky tightrope here on a technical level though Dave because I mean I, I sympathise with wanting to report what the fans are singing especially especially right now but um I suppose it, it's, it's all or nothing like you'd have to do the whole exchange wouldn't you but so, I feel like just, I feel like the first one and the response should be the only thing you should say. After that, it gets weird. Uh, I don't know whether this is just the way it's written, no. but did it all happen in <laughs> yeah. literally back to back, or is this over Very in the whole exchange, second half or something? It did. It did. Right. I, I will. Once the only small quibble I have with Alistair's um, reporting of events was that he, uh, the uh, Harry Kane, he's one of our own, happened first, and then then came. Harry Kane, he wants to fuck off from the Wolves fans. But it was it was bang, 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 back and forth. It was great banter. I've also got I've got an issue with this, the chance that they're using, that the Spurs fans obviously use for Kane and the Wolves fans have adapted. It doesn't scan. Harry Kane doesn't fit. He's one of our own. He's one of our own. Harry Kane. Yeah, <laughs> this does feel like something you get annoyed about more than yeah. anybody else in this podcast. doesn't work. Definitely. Do a different yeah. one. Yeah, it's a difficult. It's a difficult name, I think, for a chant. I mean, if you've got to try and force a syllable into Harry, you know, a third or Kane. syllable. Yeah, there's yeah. only two, three syllables in the whole it's in difficult. the whole name. Yeah, not good for his branding. Don't think he's thought about that. Maybe if it was called people. Adam Hurry, yeah. it would fit perfectly. Good, solid four-syllable name. You can do a lot with that. That's true. 
Next bit, a thoroughly enjoyable aspect of um, of cliches generally, but I'm happy to bring it up again. Elliot the Kid writes in and says, Adjudication needed, Dave. Rob McCaffrey has just described Mustafa Carriol's goal for Gillingham as being absolutely lashed into the top left-hand bedroom. I'm not having what? this. Are you having this? Lashed into the top left-hand bedroom? Never had anything like it in my life. That's not, not, not particularly evocative, is it, Nick? Is he trying to sort of create his own Maybe. top bins kind of thing? Yeah. Here. And he's des- desperately trying to increase his own brand. Well, I, no, that what doesn't make sense. What I mean, top bins doesn't really make any mm. sense either. But but that's that's part of the vernacular now. There's not a huge amount we can do about that. But top bedrooms. Yeah. What is it? What I don't I don't understand. Well, you I mean you've opened a different can of worms, which is um, that Rob McCaffrey was trying to develop his brand. I feel like he might be twenty years too late for that. It, it, it seems strange when you when you see a, a Rob McCaffrey sort of reporting from a game like that. Says, well, how does that come about? Strange. I thought it'd be on MUTV or something like that. But um, elsewhere on Soccer Saturday, Dave, it was really reassuring to hear at least one of their roving reporters having to deliver his update by phone or as oh, Jeff Stelling put it? it from the moon <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just nice it's, it's kind of visceral to know that you know they're just out and about in a cramped little press box somewhere and they have to do it by phone that's fine and it, and it doesn't doesn't ruin the watching experience because you're you know we're happy with that it's, it's reporting from the field yeah you know it is nice and it's def- definitely part of the sort of soccer Saturday tapestry um quite evocative but it, it is mad that in, in this day and age that it still happens like, basically, no one should ever need to use a phone line ever again. If the <laughs> pandemic's taught us one thing, it's that everything can be done via over the internet in a decent quality, decent-ish quality connection. Surely you could, like, voice note... Well, it's not yeah, live, isn't it? We're talking about League but, 2 Wi-Fi here, aren't we? This is, I don't this know, is the yeah. Yeah, you have to factor it that It sounds in. like they're on a dodgy old landline. I think they do it deliberately. Plus, I, th- I think they do it deliberately. Just a little bit of kind of just, you know authenticity nick like like when there's when people inevitably say during um tournaments oh it's this is great but it's a shame it's not like doesn't look like mexico exactly. 1970 and it's yeah. kind of you know down a fuzzy line yeah or the commentary's like too good quality and that sort of stuff yeah it did get me thinking though nick you may remember a hit football cliche segment every football league goals roundup ever i did wonder start to wonder about the vital ingredient of a roving reporter update down the line from League Two on Soccer Saturday. So I, we asked our listeners what the vital ingredients for, of this should be. Gaz Meek says it's important to include how many hours it's been since a team scored or conceded. Good, solid option. Nice bit of colour. Sean Rapson. Love this, Sean Rapson. Not quite seeing who got the final touch for a goal. Love that. Definitely. Jake says... Which is... Sorry. Which is... Sorry, which which is always undermined by the video printer uh, un- underneath it saying exactly who scored. And they're going, I uh, didn't quite see it, Jeff. Uh, and then at the bottom it says, you know, Will Grigg or whatever. Jake says the 700-mile round trip will feel a lot longer for the away fans after that late goal. Yes, yeah, so definitely the lower down you get, the more you should refer to the away fans, Dave. Just because, you know, they're hardier souls down there, aren't they? Yeah, typically involving in a way there at Carlisle, I think. It all revolves around that, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. Um, final one, final suggestion here from Sam. Roving reporter updates after a goal should all have to be timed perfectly so that they coincide with the Tannoy announcer naming the goal scorer. Love it when we get one of those. The best answer to the but which way has it gone question. Well, as you can hear, Jeff. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah, all of those, all of those I will bear in mind because at the end of this episode, I'm going to attempt every League Two Soccer Saturday roving reporter update ever by phone. Are you going to have to phone me? I, well, I was hoping you might be able to put a phone effect on it. Well, we'll see. Earn your money. If you want, if you want, if you want proper authenticity. <laughs> I could do it over the phone. I definitely could do it over the phone. But yeah, uh, everyone can look forward to that at the end of this episode. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tom Yates, Nick, says, Is Manchester City 5, Norwich 0, the most inevitable result of any Premier League weekend? Man City seem to beat a lot of teams 5-0, funnily enough. Uh, Rhys Jones says, Manchester City 5, Burnley 0 at the Etihad. Every season without fail. Lewis agrees. Seems to happen about four times a season, all at the Etihad. Any more spring to mind? I mean, I, I don't know if this is just recently biased because it happened literally yesterday, but Chelsea, Chelsea always seem to beat Arsenal 2-0. Uh, yeah, the Man- Manchester City thrashing of the Minnows is always 5-0. Yeah. There's always a back post tap in for Sterling. I realise this is a very well-documented Manchester City style thing, but this isn't a tactics podcast. The, the elements of a Man City 5-0 thrashing are always the same. I think even Dan Daniel Farker made made note of this. He said two two or three of the goals were identical. So yeah, the fifth goal, Dave sort of sort of met with a lot of pointing at the guy who set it up because they're so satisfied with their afternoon's work. It's so uniform now that the the, the players on the the end of it don't even have to shoot. They're like Grealish's goal, he just has to stand there and it bounces bounced off him and went in. Doesn't even have to actually do any football. That's not a satisfying way to open your account for your club, is it, Dave? When it, no. just, when it just goes in off you. Because he didn't really... He, he, obviously, he celebrated. Great moment, but not for the million, 100 million pound man. There wasn't quite enough humility in the celebration for me either. There mm. should have been a raised hat, a bit of a raised hat. Like, oh, yeah. what's just happened? Kind mm. of, oh, God, yeah. nonsense. Pointing at his own hip, maybe. Someone, someone the, polishing um, it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it was complicated by the fact that it, I think it was it was the second goal of the game, wasn't it? So you have to celebrate with some gusto because it's it's still a you know fundamentally important goal. If it had been the fifth, I think he would have stood there and sort of laughed to the point where it looked slightly disrespectful, but not quite. But yeah, every Manchester City 5-0 victory is the same. I take sure. 5-0 away at Man City now, if you offered it to me, it's <laughs> Watford, honestly. Because their the last 11 games, I've just checked, by rough calculations, the aggregate score is 43-4. To Man City, <laughs> one of those, of course, being their six nil in the FA Cup final, and then two months later in the league, they beat us eight nil. God, what what a depressing situation! I suppose you would take the five nil, but no good goals. Like they all had to be tapped yeah. into the back post, even if they're well worked. Yeah, an own goal, yeah, like they had on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Here are some other suggestions from our listeners for inevitable Premier League scorelines. Emil says. An inevitable scoreline seems to be an unlikely 1-0 win in the first home game with a club legend as caretaker, ideally around Christmas. Nick, I this is such a vivid suggestion that I can even picture the body language of the manager in question at the final whistle. It's that kind of relieved pump of the arm saying, I'm turning this round. I needed to get this under my belt. Could be anybody. And then, the, yeah, there's the relieved pump of the arms and then they kind of go go to celebrate with their players and then they quickly remember their manager so they go and have to, have to turn around and go and shake hands with Mark Hughes or whoever mm. it is. I wonder which Southampton legend will be doing that in the St Mary's dugout in late December. Not Letitia. Jason Dodd? Yes, Doddy. Mm. 
Yeah, very much so. Um, anyway, Jake says Manchester United nil, Liverpool nil. That's pretty much a banker. Ollie T ninety three says Norwich won Burnley one with the score also being one one at half time seems completely <laughs> inevitable this season. I I mean there's nothing to back that up, but he's described it so perfectly that I'm really happy with it. Um nice little touch with the half time score. Dave, Ollie Max seven four one says Southampton have been losing three nil away at West Ham since the dawn of time. Probably more for the real heads that one. You you really would fear for them. Yeah. In that in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, he's hit the tone just right. Um Again, another nicely structured one here. Travis Newton, Nick. Everton nil, Liverpool 2, in spite of the Toffees creating a number of good chances after going 1-0 down 10 minutes in. Markoff for calling them the Toffees, I have to say. But still, still does seem to be a match that happens every single year. I'm, I'm specifically thinking of that Gary McAllister free kick. Uh, I can't remember if that game <laughs> ended 2-0, but in my head it did. Probably. Uh, you yeah. know, Liverpool absorbed a lot of pressure, then score a wonder goal to make it 2-0. Next up, I'm intrigued by the coverage, Dave, of the rise of specialist coaches in football. We, we've had a lot of chat about the throw-in coach at, at Brentford and Liverpool. There's a, there's a rise in set-piece coaches. Villa have got one. Um, very curious-looking guy. Doesn't look very football-y at all. But, so he's their set-piece coach. And it emerged this weekend that AFC Wimbledon have a substitutions coach. <laughs> he's the guy who kind of observes and says, right, now, now's the time. <laughs> An ex-player who, who it dawned on him when he was being substituted on. They thought maybe there's a science behind it. I'm, glad, I'm really glad we're covering this because I, was, I was, um, was getting very annoyed on Sunday I was, I was watching Match of the Day back on Sunday morning when Danny Murphy was on on Saturday night. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was mentioned, uh, they made a big fuss about Aston Villa uh, scoring, the, the goal that Danny Ings scored, and they put it down to this, to this set-piece coach that you just mentioned. But basically, I mean, it was just a long throw and a flick on. I, I, didn't, I didn't see any spectacular movement or, or routine. It was literally all it was, just chuck it in, flick it on, bang, in you go. But fine. But Mer- Danny Murphy was bristling at the, the mention of a, of a, of a, of a set-piece coach. He said, oh, well, in my day, it was just a job for a normal coach. But I mean, what do these people think is going on? It's, it's not, these people have not been beamed here from another planet. Yeah, yeah. They're not, yeah. They're not, some, they're not a bloke who's gone through university and done, got an MBA in substitution coaching. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just employing someone and saying, your job is to look after this bit of what we do. Yeah, you care about this more than anybody else. Um, you figure it out. Yeah. You, you know, we have the athletic has different writers for all the different teams and different sub editors. This is your job. Yeah. It's just his job. Yeah. Think about this thing and make this thing work Definitely. well for us. That's all it is. Yeah. But it's like this portrayed by people like that as just some newfangled yeah. thing. Whenever you hear the way phrase newfangled, you know it's not going to go well. <laughs> newfangled. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm intrigued by our, you know, our developing enlightenment about this, Nick. Um, these figures still t- seem to be presented to kind of studious opportunists who, as I say, have spotted something else that nobody else has, rather than sort of ex-pros who are just thought, well, being shoehorned into a job. So the, these people who are taking their little mini roles seriously. But I, I was interested to see how far this could go. What are the precise situations in football that we might get a dedicated coach for? Where do you think a gap lies? Where do you think you could squeeze yourself in? Well... I, I, I kind of wrote this down joking, but now I've almost convinced myself that this this should actually be a thing. A coach, a coach's coach, a coach for coaches. <laughs> so they stand at the side at training, telling. Yeah, well, right, because 
Coaches, you know, almost inevitably former players, they go and do their badges in Wales a lot for some yeah, reason, for some reason. <laughs> which is how, how you could... You find you find out weirdly that Rob Earnshaw is really good mates with Andrea Pirlo or yeah. something like that because they did their badges <laughs> yeah. in some some place near Swansea. Mm. But they go and do their badges and they get their UEFA A license or whatever it is, and then they're just sort of cast into the University of Life. Yeah. Like it's 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 almost a little bit like saying that footballers should only be coached up to under 19s yeah. and then they're just kind of free to do it with whatever they want so i i think there's there's legs in this coaching. i don't know who do it but a coach's coach yeah where does it stop the session but then who coaches the coaches coaches come on dave you're getting silly now. come on <laughs> um let, let's hand this over to our listeners dara white says a coin toss coach is a necessity in the modern game i mean i bet there's stats about heads or tails dave i mean i feel like it should be a thing in cricket at least, where it actually has a d- demonstrable effect on the um, on the game sometimes, I think. But why not? No, agreed. Um, Adam Crafton from The Athletic, Nick, says a penalty-saving coach. I don't, I don't want to release my inner Pretty Danny sure Murphy here, but that's part of the goalkeeper coach's yeah. job, I reckon. <laughs> Should, Should know be. that. Should have yeah. a clue. But, but you could have one. But they, you could keep subdividing. That This is the point. Like with, with the day and age that we're in, with football clubs having so much, relatively speaking, so much money... Um, and the, the constant pursuit of excellence. Why not just get, get ease Mark the Crossley workload? Yeah. Don't let one bloke do everything. Get four, divide it up so you can be better. Exactly right. This is this is why I send the tweet out um, before we record so that people do the work for us. It's great. Uh, lots of mini little cliche coaches out there. Moving on, Baseman93 and Jack Chesterman, Nick, both suggested a time-wasting coach. And you know, as funny as this may seem, I think this is a good shout because I find it so odd in the modern game, given how few stones are left unturned in the pursuit of victory, that there's so little scrutiny on how teams attempt to see a game out, especially in the last few seconds. Setting your team up to defend a lead, fine, but which I'm talking about the last 60 seconds of a game where you desperately do not want to concede a goal. And how many teams just give the ball away because because they just don't want to be seen to be doing anything else? The player will run it into the corner, fine, yes, and that's kind of a gesture. And then they'll just sort of let the possession go back to the other keeper. And I say, why would you do that? Surely you should be doing everything you can to keep hold of that ball by, by hook or by crook. Maybe the uh, the way to actually get this into football itself is to, I don't know, broaden it or rebrand it as a game management coach. Because game management is obviously one of those phrases that is bandied around, but no one really knows what it actually means. But and what it ultimately what it means is things like you know wasting time and not being too ludicrously attacking. But yeah, it's it, things like the timing of when you do when you start running the ball into the corner and, and shepherding it to you know. I mean, the introduction of a coach to do this would uh, ruin a lot of the football experience for my dad. His one of his huge bugbears is when play when players do that too early. He just he he goes apoplectic with rage when when um, when that happens. Yeah, so. well, someone needs to guide these players into when to start doing it. You should have like in the NFL or whatever when you have there's a specialist special teams and special players that can do special things like the kicking, the guys that come on and do the kicking and all that. Why there could be a, the substitution coach could introduce a sub in the last minute who does nothing else but practice kicking it from his path <laughs> to with the perfect weight to the opposite corner mm-hmm. where it, so it doesn't go out of play the yeah. keeper still has to go and get it and everyone can you know move up and give you some time 100% it does annoy me when again Danny Murphy Andy Gray whoever it may be mm-hmm. is arguing about these things and they're sort of going oh you know there's all this marginal gains nonsense it's not not really the same as marginal gains is it because it's no. 
it's a fu- these coaches are like actually working on fundamental parts of the game that you're playing. It's not the same as Dave Brailsford asking a cyclist to take a special pillow with them to the hotel. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't say marginal gains at the start of this now, um, given how annoyed you've subsequently got. Yeah, okay, we'll leave it at that. Time-wasting coaches are needed. Alexander Gjedovic says specialist shithousery coach. Kind of encompasses by the same thing, I guess. Gaz Meek also says giving a sub-instructions coach. So, I don't know, overseeing the printing and the laminating, presumably, for that one. Um, someone else says, a 21-man brawl coach. I feel that players have yet to truly perfect the fake headbutt that gets you sent off just the same as doing it properly. Yeah, that needs... Yeah, a coach to tell someone how to rile an opponent with physical violence, but only up to the point where you don't get sent off. So how hard you press your head into them without being deemed a headbutt. Finally, uh, Dan Barnes of The Athletic also says, Mark Hughes, Dave, could earn an absolute killing as a handshake etiquette coach. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would would spare us a lot of drama every season. I'm getting confused here. Is he the one that... Does he get annoyed at people not shaking his hand or is he not shaking other people's hands? Uh, no, he's the getting annoyed at not shaking his hand. Right, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just quick cursory handshake of the opposition manager, win, lose or draw. Go for the member of staff you know best from your playing career. Shake his hand. Anyone who gets in your way, give them a tap on the shoulder. Exit. That's that's the technique. Yeah, textbook. Absolutely textbook. Well, I'm shaking your hands virtually. I want to round things off, as we now always do, with um, Premier League Year's Spotify playlist bingo. Nick, this may be new to you, I believe. Twitter user Mr. Wenger, of course, has created a playlist of every song ever played on Premier League Year's. So all you have to do is give me a number between 1 and 1,375, and then we will talk about that song briefly in the context of Premier League Year's. Uh, I suppose the, 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 the spirit of this is to do it randomly, but I, I am specifically thinking of one song which I'm trying to hit in terms... So I'm going to go with 159. Interesting approach, interesting strategy. 159, Nick Miller says. I'm scrolling furiously up my Spotify Oh, my goodness. Glory Box by Portishead. Oh. So we're talking sort of 93? Uh, 94, I think that was. 94, 95, around That then. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So so what what Premier League scenario are we talking about here? Glory Box. I mean, it's quite, it's quite a sad song, Oh, isn't it? it's this. I didn't know this was this. Okay. It sounds like, I don't know, the start to a season montage, maybe? A club in crisis... It feels like um, it's got sort of slow motion manager climbing into his car after being sacked. Written all over this, I think. Manchester City, maybe. I can picture Brian Horton climbing into a you know Ford Sierra. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the title of the song, Dave, Glory Box, perhaps a misnomer here in yeah. Premier League context. We can ignore that. So it's just the I vibe. So. Someone yeah. getting sacked. It sounds about right. Um Incidentally, I should point out that we are we are still awaiting that the the author of this playlist and some and some helpful volunteers could create a spreadsheet of this, no less, that links every song to the incident in question. So we'll never have to wonder. Soon, once that spreadsheet is published and bought for a small fee, we will never have to wonder about this anymore. But yeah, it's a very tender song, but it, it does have sacking written all over it. Premier League sacking. Good stuff. Well done. Well done, everybody. Cheers to you, Dave. Thank you. Cheers to you, Nick. Glad you enjoyed your first game of the season. Thank you. To play us out this week, this is, as promised, every League Two Soccer Saturday roving reporter update ever by phone.
played in over six hours of football, and weirdly passive-aggressive manager Ray is absolutely furious. I couldn't quite see who got the final touch, but it's journeyman striker B who's claiming it. His fifth goal of the season, a long throw from grizzled player coach C from the right. The ball pinballed around the team wide six-yard box for what seemed like an age, until journeyman striker B, who turned 36 on Thursday, doing what he so often does, took the ball away. The heavens have just opened here in vague English postal district, but those away fans who've travelled 600 odd miles for this one, some of them were up at 4am, they won't care about that. Still 18 minutes to go here at charming 113 year old Stadium Z, and it's game on! 1-1! One, one. The Athletic.